Welcome to the Elite HRV Podcast, where experts share their experience using heart rate variability and other biomarkers to optimize health and human performance. Welcome back to the Elite HRV Podcast. I'm Jeff Fry, your host for today's episode. And with me today is a man by the name of Josh Holland. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thank you, Jeff, man. I really appreciate it. It's good to be here. Yeah, great. So Josh, for our audience, Josh has a a habit of coming up with some great quotes. And uh, one of my favorite (laughs) quotes of his is the phrase, anytime there's a question it's an opportunity to educate. Did I get that roughly right, Josh? That's spot on, brother. Spot on. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I find that to be very true. So I I tend to do a lot of things that cause people to ask questions because I want to find many, many ways to, to try to educate. And whether that education goes to the other person or that's education upon myself, um, I just, I, I think that, there's so many opportunities for us to ask questions throughout our life and our careers, and um, which which therefore means there's many, many opportunities to educate. So I find it absolutely. to be a beautiful process. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, well, I've got a lot of questions for you. So we've got a lot, a lot of opportunities to educate here today, I think. So um, <laughs> what I love about Josh is how he seems to be knowledgeable uh, in almost every aspect of health, uh, fitness and performance. So I think, um, no matter who you are listening to this, you're going to find at least a few really valuable nuggets. And, um, most of you will find much more than that, I think. So with that, um, Josh, I would, I hope we can like introduce you to our audience here by, um, if you could kind of tell us the story of how it is you came to, to do what you do now and, and, how you've come to be, you know, interviewed on a podcast such as this one. Okay. Yeah. That's a, um, a tall order (laughs) and (laughs) take um, your time, take your time for for the listeners listening. Um, I will just preface this by saying, please bear with me because I, I do tend to get long winded and I usually ask the, the, uh, the interviewer or the host to, to reel me back in. Um, but, there's usually a way to kind of reel myself back to to um, sort of a full circle moment. But um, I, I guess I'm brought here because of my constant curiosity throughout mm-hmm. my life. And, um, you know, I, I sort of was I was raised in the martial arts world, which enabled me and allowed me to understand and have experience within the Eastern philosophies of martial arts and, um, and, and Eastern medicine and things of that nature. And that was a big part of my foundation. So that was a big part of who I am and who I was. And then as I started to progress into playing more sports and uh, starting to understand more of the Western philosophy of things, I started to notice because I wanted to, I wanted to double major out of high school. I wanted to double major in psychology and physical therapy. And I've always had an affinity towards the mind and towards uh, sociology and how we as people 
navigate into groups and cliques and and why do we have certain habits and why do we we learn things easier than than other things and and then also how does our traumas throughout our life affect how we live and things of that nature so when you start to blend all these things together it's kind of like wow you know it doesn't have to be just the eastern philosophy and that's what you run with and it doesn't have to be just the western philosophy and that's what you run with i felt like there was there was so many opportunities for me to figure out what works best for me in my situation and then as i started to kind of i i had a part-time job working at general nutrition center gnc and when I was working at GNC, I, I started to understand more about supplementation, which sort of did fall into the Eastern philosophy and the Western philosophy sort of together, right? And so some things were, it, so some things made sense because of how I was raised, and then other things I had to learn. And I started to kind of blend all these things together, and I noticed people always coming into the store asking me about okay, well, what about this? And I've heard that. And what about that? And because I've heard this and it started to, and I, I was encouraged to read and experience as much as I could, because I knew that there was going to be several different types of people coming into that store. And if I wanted to sort of give them my experience and give them my knowledge, I felt it was always easier to say, well, this is my experience. This is what I've seen. This is what this is why I take this. And obviously, understanding that we are different people because we're all different. Um, this is something that you could possibly try. Or you know what? Look, I wouldn't try that because most of the people that come in here have returned that that product, or they've they've told me that they didn't have the best experience from it. So I don't know. That's kind of what led me into being curious about the world of biohacking. And I didn't really understand what biohacking was, but I've, I've come to realize that I practiced biohacking early, early, early on in my career. So um, it, it's, really, it's really interesting. I mean, I think that's what ultimately got me here is, is diving into the world of biohacking. Yeah. And it sounds like you were kind of one of the earlier adapt, uh, early adopters of that. And what I love about what you said there is how uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a Western or an Eastern approach. You know, the answer can, can be somewhere in the middle. And I think more broadly, it doesn't have to be about any one general philosophy at all. I, I feel like so often times you can talk to people and you can just tell that they've bought into one sort of philosophy and, you know, they're get, giving you like canned answers from that one philosophy and you're no longer talking to a person at that point you're talking to an ideology if that makes sense and so what i love yeah and and what i love about what you just said is how you talk about your personal experience because that's so important in all of this um, life isn't about the ideology it's about you know learning from the ideologies and then you know then comparing that with your personal experience and then trying to relate that to others so that they can try and, you know, come up with informed um, decision-making, um, you know, opportunities in, in that sense. Um, so I really love that. Um, do you think you could talk to us a little bit about uh, as well, some of uh, some of your background? So I know that you've played basketball, 
professionally, for example, you have this this upbringing in, in martial arts. Um, but I know on on the flip side of that, you've also um, wrestled with some some uh, health problems over the years as well. Can you can you talk uh, a little bit more about that? Sure. So I, I believe many of us today, especially those that would consider themselves within the biohacking sphere, I feel like we all have some some level of lower vibration, if you will, and <laughs> some level of pain or disease or discomfort or something that has caused the person to want to transcend beyond that, right? To, to optimize their health and wellness and fitness, whatever the case may be. And in my situation, I grew up with, um, I didn't, it didn't really dawn on me that I had lots of work to do until I discovered I had scoliosis. And when I figured out I had scoliosis. I was kind of like, "Wow, okay, um, I'm the only one in my family that I that I, I guess, considered that had the the, the problem of scoliosis." So I kind of determined that maybe it came from some sort of trauma. Like you know, I fell off of uh, monkey bars once before when I was young. I also um, I fell several times pretty hard, had some hard spills on the basketball court. Uh, I played flag football. I did all kinds of things, right? So I'm like, okay, maybe this occurred later in my life because obviously they're like growing up playing sports. We were, we were asked to do physicals and they're supposed to check your, your spine like every, every season. And for me, I always kind of felt like, oh, they're just kind of passing the buck. You know, they're just kind of like, checking me off just to make sure that I can continue to play and I don't get, don't get held back. And, you know, that was for the betterment of our, of our team. <laughs> and, yeah. but it wasn't necessarily for the betterment of me. And so I, I started to kind of focus more on at least allowing my spine not to deteriorate or to get worse. There was this understanding that I may not ever be able to fully straighten my spine. This is what I was told anyway. Um, you may not be able to straighten your spine, Josh, but you could do some things to keep it from getting worse. And so that was enough for me to go, really? Okay. Cause I love challenges. <laughs> so let's see if I can try to straighten my spine. And so that's what led me to really wanting to optimize at least that, because as I learned later understood the the more symmetrical and the more in line your body works, the better everything else starts to work. And so I wanted to try to see if I could do that. And that's what ultimately got me to learning about the Scroth method and foundation training and um, breath work and stretching and yoga and Pilates and <laughs> all sorts yeah. of things. And And so I guess that was probably one of the first identifiers. And I, you know, I also must say growing up, having my father be very overweight. I mean, right now I would, I would definitely classify him as morbidly obese. It was in the back of my head to also, I guess, along the lines of working on my scoliosis, I also considered, okay, listen, I never want to get like how how my dad and the rest of my family on my dad's side is, I never want to be obese. 
And so I think this was something else that caused me to to always make sure that I'm I'm doing what I can to stay in shape. And obviously I understand that there's a difference between the aesthetic and the 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 actual functioning of the of the body, but I I definitely had that in the back of my head. You know, it's like it's almost kind of like I had a good example of what not to do when it comes to being being in shape or not. And so I think that was another low level problem that I wanted to work through. And I, and I still work at it to this day. Yeah. And I think that dovetails so well with what you were saying earlier in the podcast about, you know, having this interest in psychology. I'm someone who is definitely a, a lay person, um, student of psychology too myself. And I re- often reflect on how many people in this space, in, in the space of, of wellness and health and performance and fitness, all of these things, uh, including myself, I feel like I hear stories about how they at one point have been unhealthy in their life or it, and or they've been um, you know, a part of a family or friend circle that uh, has also struggled with you know, so many things, aspects of, of health and that sort of thing. And I think uh, that provides another opportunity um, when you are exposed to something like that, when you are um, unhealthy. Um, I feel like it's uh, it's not necessarily you know uh, deterministic of the fact that you will become healthy because we oftentimes see people who who don't you know um, I- improve those things, um, but oftentimes they it, like oftentimes it's those people who do improve their situation and they do um, um, gain an interest in health and they become an expert in health even sometimes such as yourself. And um, it, it was that without that original impetus, without that original problem to fix, um, then that would have never come about uh, theoretically, right? Yeah. And to, to dovetail and piggyback on that, I think we as people, again, touching on the sociology component. We as people like to connect with those who who we can relate to. And mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the the truth and it's you know the final say, but when you can say to someone um or you know I used to get this all the time, well Josh, of course you're you're fit and of course you're in shape because you know you've you've probably always been this way. And it's like have you looked at my family photos? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, do you know my family? Do you know what I've been up against? You know, it's like, and and I, I struggle with, um, you know, if, if I'm being completely honest, like it's, it's very easy for me to put on weight, but I can take that as a positive or a negative. And, you know, if I want to put on muscle mass, no problem, super easy for me too. But if I want to be, super, super lean and I want to cut weight, it really, really is difficult for me. So, um, you know, and it it hasn't always been like that. Like when I was younger, it was much easier for me to, to, you know, back when I used to do modeling and acting and things like that, if I had a big photo shoot, you know, I I remember being able to say, oh, you know, if I have a callback and, and I booked the shoot within the callback, it was usually about a week to, you know, from the callback to know that you got the the gig to when you shoot. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember being able to like tighten up super quick, you know, like within four or five days, you know, just kind of moderate my, my calorie intake and moderate my sugars. And, and, um, I even did Probably some water too. loading. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, it was just like that was the thing. And I think that was kind of a crutch because it, it, it almost allowed me to kind of stay at a certain level. And then I would just kind of tighten up. But now <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I need to really, really focus on it. And I tend to just I tend to try to be as close to in shape as possible all the time, but never in this this mode of um, stage ready, if that makes sense, because I don't totally. I don't necessarily consider that to be healthy, a, a very healthy lifestyle. Neither but, do I. Yeah. But I definitely will tighten up if I have an important shoot coming up or something like that. And, you know, it's like, I don't know if you can notice it, but people who know me can probably hear it in my voice. I have a bit of a a shakiness in my voice right now because I literally just, um, when we were trying to get on the, this recording to work, I was just doing ice packs all over my body. So (laughs) 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 So I'm kind of like shivering and I'm just now kind of warming up, but that just gives you an idea of kind of the the level at which I like to test all these things. And, um, anyway, that's a, another segue, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I love that. Um, a couple of things I want to say about that. I think the two of us are kind of cut from the same cloth cause I'm the exact same way. Like it's pretty easy for me to put on muscle mass, particularly in, in, in some areas, but then, you know, the cutting, I've definitely done it before. I've definitely gotten relatively lean, but, um, you know, it's a struggle. It's a real struggle. And so I found kind of over the years, I've kind of found that happy medium where, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy with how I look, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to hop on a stage anytime soon, uh, <laughs> or anything like that. But, um, you know, y- you, you, you gain a certain contentedness with the way you look and you focus more on health and you really begin to understand that that is the really more sustainable approach. Um, so I love that. Um, the other thing. Oh, so now what we have to talk about is this: um, the cold packs all over yourself. Can you can <laughs> can we take a quick uh, jaunt into 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 a little bit more of what that is all about? Absolutely. Yeah. So okay, here's the thing. Um, and and I think you would have you would have noticed probably right away if we if this was a video recording. Um, but I'm I'm very fidgety fidgety right now, and so I have these. I've been testing out these ice packs. And I kind of thought to myself, okay, I'm a huge fan of ice baths and cold showers. And it's something that I do all the time. Now I'm living in New York and like while I'm in New York, I was having to try to finagle and reposition my apartment to support all this stuff that I do. And so over the 16 years I've been living in New York, it's like, when you go there, you you know right away there's a biohacker that lives in this place, right? Because like there's just everything you can think of, which is amazing. Do you have tin foil? Didn't you have tin foil on your windows? Um, I did for a moment, and then I'm like, okay, this is a little crazy. <laughs> but like crazy is fun, right? So, um, so you know, I so I've done all kinds of stuff, and then uh, a global pandemic happens, and then I I get asked to sort of move around the world and and then sort of relocate to LA. So I'm I'm speaking to you from LA and I'm having to kind of now figure out okay, what are the things that are most important for me because I don't want to have two of everything because that's just mm-hmm. a little bit crazy. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm not going to put a an ice tank or an ice bath in my my LA apartment. Um, you know, cause I just don't even know how long I'm going to be here. Right. And so <laughs> I want to be as minimal as possible. Um, and of course I can do the cold showers, but let's face it. 
um, because I do cold showers so much and, and, and I'm, I think my cold thermogenesis, I've been adapted very well that the showers don't get cold enough almost anywhere. And so I was like, all right, that I need to do something different. So I was doing some research and I came across some research on using cold packs or ice packs. And obviously we know that there's, there's kind of, um, there's opposing beliefs on whether to use ice packs for injuries and whatnot. Um, but I was thinking, huh, this could be interesting. Maybe you could spot, do some like cold thermogenesis on, on different spots of the body. And I came across this uh, company called, um, I think it's called cool fat burner or yeah, okay. I think it's called cool fat burner. Okay. And I, I got the, the, the product in the mail and, it, and it's essentially ice packs that, that they claim lasts a little bit longer than the, than the, the, the typical ice packs. But then it has this vest like material that you can wear. So you, mm. and it has these pockets in it and you put all these ice packs in it and you have the one that is for the, the tire, let's call it the tire, the midsection, you know, the, the abs, the obliques and the low back. And then you have another one that you can put that kind of drapes over your shoulders. So it, it gets the upper back and the chest. And, you know, I've been using that for about three weeks, four weeks. And actually, yeah, it's been about four weeks now. And, you know, it's like, it's pretty interesting. I think I, I think I'm a fan. <laughs> and today was the first time that I've gotten this much shiver happening. And, right. I, and I know why. Because as I'm sitting here, normally I'm walking around with the ice packs on and I'm doing things, but this is the first time when I've, I've been seated and the, the chair, the back of the chair has enabled me to push the ice packs that are on my back to mm. actually push them on me because the, the straps on the, on the cool fat burner, they don't, they don't like uh, keep it close to my body enough to, to where I really, really feel it. So as I'm sitting here, I notice that I am able to push the back into the chair so that ice packs are on my back and then i have the air conditioner is blowing well it's actually i guess on fan but it's blowing on my feet and i'm not moving so (laughs) when we started recording i'm like wait a minute i'm shivering and i can feel myself shivering but I'm, i'm okay now um but i like to use it because of all the effects of cold thermogenesis and i would assume that you and and your listeners understand what that's about if they don't we could go into it but it's um it's been a pretty powerful hack to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's what I love about you is you, you lead by example, first of all, but also you're, you have such knowledge on all these different topics that I know we can just delve into, to anyone that we so choose for someone. So uh, uh, what I also like about you is you, you have sort of like a, um, an easy uh, way for people to get into things, uh, uh, easy recommendation for people to get into things like cold thermogenesis, but you also have like the more high end stuff. And it sounds to me like um, this vest that you're referring to is kind of more of like the, you know, medium to uh, high investment sort of uh, version of that. But for someone who is just sort of looking to get into this and maybe just considering taking a cold shower, do you have any like recommendations for for those those folks who who want to start getting into this stuff? Yeah, absolutely, and and well said. Um, it, it, you're right about commenting on the fact that I like to 
I like to provide as many options for people because it's what I would would be looking for as well. And for instance, my family, you know, they don't, I shouldn't even say just my family, but most people out there aren't going to spend the time and the money, the, the, the overall investments that I would on some of these tools. So my goal is to try to do what I can because I enjoy it. I love it. And this is my field. And so if I'm able to pass on some useful information for someone to save money or to save time or to get, you know, the, the, the biggest bang for their buck, then why not? Right. So when it comes to cold thermogenesis, the, the low level, low hanging fruit is, as you mentioned, the, the cold showers and, you know, cold showers, hopefully we're showering every day. Um, <laughs> we could, we could also talk about the, the benefits of not showering every day, but, um, beyond that, hopping into a cold shower, making sure that you, you do your normal shower at first, wash with warm water, soap, whatever, and then finish with a nice cold shower, max it out, try to stay in there for two to three minutes, um, build up to it and then, you know, practice breath work. Okay. That's the lowest hanging fruit, I believe. Um, if you're lucky enough to be in a body of water, um, then that's also another bit of like low hanging fruit, but let's face it. A lot of times you kind of have to have something set up to where you're, you're getting to the body of water. You got to have a towel, you got to get back, blah, blah, blah. So that's the, the, the most natural part. The next natural bump up, I would say would be either getting a, an ice tub or getting the vest. And the reason why I say the ice tub or the vest setup is because they're about the same the same amount of money. So the the cold tub that I have in New York, it's uh it's it's made by Rubbermaid, and it's basically a horse trough, right? So okay, you get a a big horse trough. I think mine was a hundred gallon horse trough, and my apartment is big enough in New York to to allow me to have that in the living room somewhere, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> You know, the only downside to that is, you know, I guess I was lucky enough to have a, a corner store, a, a convenience store on the corner. So I would walk there, but I would have to spend 30 to 40 bucks every time to get about 80 pounds of ice. So right. it's not so convenient to, to say the least, but it it is easy enough, right? So mm. there's that. And then also if you want to have like multiple people come over, you want to have a group of people like have a, a cold tub party or something, then okay, that's the way to do it. And then I would just usually ask the people who are coming over to chip in 10 bucks or so, so we could get a bunch of ice and we have an ice party. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just laughing at the ice party. That's yeah. yeah, people who've, who've been in my apartment, who've done it, they, they know it's like, okay, if we go to Josh's place in New York, like be ready to try something. And and that's, I, I get a kick out of that. If you can imagine, you know, because you just never know what you're going to get when you come over unless, right. you know, unless we plan for it, but it's like, Hey, bring a bathing suit, bring a towel. Let's have some fun, you know? Um, <laughs> and then the ice pack though, what I'm noticing is that, okay, I don't have to limit myself by being in one spot. I don't have to go to a corner store and spend 30 bucks every time, 40 bucks every time I want to do an ice bath. Um, with the ice packs, I can do it multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. And my the setup that I got, it cost me about 100 bucks. 
So again, the 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 ice tub, the Rubbermaid uh, horse trough, cost me about a hundred bucks as well, and I think it was like one twenty to get it delivered and everything. Um, but the these ice packs, all you do is you put them in a freezer, and they right. do last quite a while. So if you have a a freezer with enough space to leave these in there, then I would suggest to people you know, do this a couple times a day. Do it in the morning. Do it in the middle of the day. Do it at night. And just kind of see how that works for you. And I promise you, you will notice a change. Like that that's what I'm noticing so far. It's like not only can I use it for recovery, you can use it for like muscle soreness recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also use it to for fat burning. You can use it for better sleep. You can use it to to help with HRV. You can do it with all kinds of stuff. So depending on how long you wear it and what you do with it. Like for instance, if you want to maximize the cold, then make sure that your your ambient environment is as cold as possible. Make sure that you also drink cold water or some sort of cold substance. And then um it, you know, wear the least amount of clothing as possible. I will say the caveat though is that you must make sure that you don't have the ice packs directly on your skin. So I have like very thin uh, fitness wear. So almost like a compression shirt and it's super thin. And I use that. And again, I, I can already hear my voice shaking again. Cause it's, I'm starting I can't to get too. <laughs> Yeah. I'm getting the chill again. You know, it's just kind of crazy. So I'm, like, again, I think this is cool that we don't have this on video because now I'm doing like dips in my chair and I'm doing like <laughs> <laughs> crunches and all kind of stuff to just to keep me warm. But this yeah. is just, it goes to show how powerful this this very low level technology is. So yeah, and, and I don't want this to be by any means a commercial for this company because I don't have any affiliations with them. I just bought it, tried it out, and then you know if if I like a product, then I usually go on the back end and I kind of reach out to the company and say, hey, like let's do some work together. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and what I love about that is your mentality towards all of this, which is that, you know, you take this cold thermogenesis thing and there are many different ways to approach it. And, um, there are many different modalities and you've done the work to experiment with different ones and see which one you like best. And you, you know, you have a kind of a running, um, sort of opinion on it. And I think people can take those, take what we're talking about specifically with, cold thermogenesis here and apply that to nearly any biohack if you want to call it or really just any way of means of improving your health and uh, use that as a perfect example as to how you can approach it Um, you know you don't have to go you know straight to the deep end you can you know dip your toes into the water so to speak into the 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 shallow end Um, or with some things that you really get into it's okay to sort of dive into the deep end so long as you understand that that's in fact what you're doing um and that you're diving into the deep end and that you know uh uh you know what you're getting yourself into so to speak um now one thing you talked about there um uh you just briefly mentioned it was the the breath work that you do one one might do after uh, a cold shower and i would love to spend a, a a good amount of time talking about uh all different sorts of breathing that's something that we're really huge fans of here at Elite HRV. Um, but before we do that, do you think we could um, transition into talking about your pills of, of health? Because I think that'll um, <clears throat> give 
our audience like a really good sort of background on your kind of holistic uh, view of all this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and great transition. Um, <clears throat> the, okay. So I'll, I'll I, yeah, I'm kind of trying to figure out the best way to start this, but I'll just kind of dive into it because um, at some point I'm going to stop talking about the fact that I, I had four pillars and then I progress into adding a fifth pillar, which happened to be the most important one. And, <laughs> and so it's, I think, you know, now I should just kind of start anytime I have an interview, I'm just going to start with what are the five pillars. Um, so that's what I'll do. I'll just start with that. So basically I, I wanted to create a prioritization, sort of a pyramid of, or a reverse pyramid in the fact that the top, the, so number one, typically is the most important and should have the most priority. And then it goes down into, it trickles down into the five. And it also has this sort of circular component. So they all feed into the next. And so when you do one well, then two becomes better. And if you do two well, three becomes better which ultimately obviously makes all three better and then four makes all four better and then five makes all five better. And then it goes right back into one. And so you have this beautiful cycle. So the pillars are, and I have a a distinctive um, phrase or, or adjective in front of each of the pillars. And that distinction is quality. So number one is quality awareness. And within awareness is um, just self-reflection, meditation, um, and just whatever it means to you to be aware. So that's pillar one. Pillar two is quality sleep and recovery. And so there's so much within that, right? Because even the awareness bleeds into that. and, And, you know, here at Elite HRV, I'm sure you guys have just belabored the, the, the conversation around recovery. Um, but, but yeah, so even HRV falls into that one very well. Um, pillar number three would be quality consumption. And so that's the consumption of food, beverages, and even the energy that we surround ourselves by. Um, so, and I think that one is also very, very important. It gets overlooked a lot, especially when we say anything about consumption, it's like, let's not forget that we are consuming vibrations. We're consuming energy all the time. Yeah. Um, pillar number four is quality activeness. And, and that should be a very simple one, but that one is one in which I think we, we've, we easily forget that we are, are designed to move. And so just movement is very different than exercise which leads me to the fifth pillar, which is quality exercise. And so the reason why I separate those two is because pillar number four, quality activeness is something we can do far longer than we could or should do exercise. And so for instance, if I was to set up a program for someone, I would most likely have them doing exercise, quality exercise, most likely three times a week depending on what their goals are, but quality activeness would be something I would have them focus on every day. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's the five pillars. There's so much I want to unpack with that. Um, And so let's 
let's take it from the top. Let's go back to the first pillar, quality awareness. And I think that is where we can uh, have a conversation around breathing and meditation and maybe even HRV biofeedback. Um, so can you, uh, can you tell us some of the ways in which we can, um, you know, address this quality awareness, um, just some, some practical ways in which people can, um, improve their quality awareness? Absolutely. So, okay. If we go back to this idea of my presenting several options for people, the low hanging fruit on that is, is most likely breath work and meditation. And so for some people, breath work or meditation specifically meditation is is a daunting feat it's like what do you mean meditate i can't sit cross-legged and i can't you know i don't have 20 minutes to meditate and i just kind of say listen let's let's clean the slate and let's just find a moment in time in which you can just focus on what's happening with you inside of you with no other distractions however that is right if that's before you go to bed at night, if that's first thing in the morning, if that's in the middle of your day, if, if that's why you're taking a crap, you know, like find a moment in which you're by yourself and you can focus on what's happening within you. That's awareness. Now, there's a spectrum here, right? So you can take that way deep. You can go, okay, what is my finger doing right now? What is my eyeball doing right now? Right. What is my, how am I expanding my diaphragm? How am I expanding my chest? How am I, you know, it, do I have an itch on my foot? Why? This is again, another level of awareness. And I feel like whatever gets a person to say, aha, then that's, that's when you kind of go with it. Right. And so this is one level of doing it. Now, Obviously, for me, biofeedback was the eye-opening light bulb turning on moment. What I was like, wait a minute. Everything I had ever talked about when it comes to awareness and meditation and whatever is like biofeedback was the, the, the big aha moment. And it was like, this is what health and wellness is all about. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. So, I think the biofeedback is sort of the higher end of the spectrum or the other end of the spectrum in which, you know, you can use technology to kind of help deepen that, that uh, relationship to the biofeedback, but you don't need to, right? If, if you like, for instance, I talk a lot about Muse, the Muse headband mm -hmm. and Muse is cool because it's, you know, relatively inexpensive and pretty easy to use. And, you know, it's, it's something that allows you to go, wait, I, I sit here for a moment, I think about my breathing, and then if you get off of thinking about your breathing, then you get the feedback. And the feedback in the headphones sort of encourage you to go, wait a minute, bring it back, reel it back, reel it back. <laughs> and some people probably never get reeled back, but at least you have this moment of understanding that I have a lot of work to do. And then some yeah. people can keep it quiet and stay focused the whole time. And they probably need something more sophisticated than, than Muse. Um, but regardless of if you have the uh, quantification or not, I think whatever allows you to sort of 
go into a different experience and moment moments of time throughout your day that that allow you to be calm, that allow you to to feel good every time you do it, then I think you're on you're on the right track. And yeah. and that's 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 what I believe. Absolutely. And there's a there's a quote by Peter Drucker that I quote far too often, but I'm going to do it regardless. Uh, it's uh, it's what gets measured gets managed. And I feel like that's what you're talking about when you talk about the Muse headband. And I think that's also what you're talking about when you're talking about HRV biofeedback, like you can do in the Elite HRV app, is you're measuring something. And um, by measuring it, you're, uh, you can manage it. Um, oftentimes, you can't manage what you aren't measuring. And so um, I think one of the common um, problems that people run into when they, you know, run across uh, a concept such as HRV biofeedback is they, they're under the impression that this is something that they need to do for the rest of their life. Um, uh, and, you know, I don't have five minutes a day. I don't have 20 minutes a day. I don't have 40 minutes a day, whatever it is. I don't have that for the rest of my life. And that's a fair point. I mean, that's a lot of time if we're talking about, you know, 40 minutes a day for the rest of your life. That's a good chunk of your life, right? Mm -hmm. But um, that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about doing HRV biofeedback. We're talking about, you know, um, you know, maybe six months, whatever it is. We're talking about a protracted period of time in which we're measuring something that we eventually want to manage, which is our, you know, nervous system activity, and it, and you can do this. You can apply this to so many different, you know, modalities, so many different areas of life. But um, once you learn what's going on in your nervous system by and and, and what different inputs do to that output, um, that that provides you with a wealth of knowledge that you can use passively without doing those things in, in the future. And I think that's really the power behind uh, breathwork. That's power behind meditation, mindfulness, and awareness, and HRV biofeedback. All these things we're talking about is we don't necessarily, you know, need to put this thing in our schedule to do for the rest of our life. We it's it's something that you can learn and then uh, you know apply that stuff almost passively in your life. Well said, well said, and you know you can almost go another level deeper by just understanding what type of person you are and mm -hmm. what do you respond best to. So if you are that person that needs that, then okay, indulge, but then also try to understand why. Yeah. And that, that again, it becomes why that's why this pillar of quality awareness becomes such a huge one because my, my job I feel like my role is to always help people to understand themselves better. So it takes to 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 say to understand yourself better, you have to first understand yourself, <laughs> right? Yeah. And totally. then, and that goes back to the quantification that you're talking about and maybe the quantification doesn't have to be with electronics, but just, you know, how do you feel? Like take a picture of yourself. Um, look at yourself in the mirror. Do you have bags under your eyes? Are you, is your hair falling out? Um, is, are you having to increase the belt loops on your belt? I mean, are things working the way you want them to work? If not, then okay, let's find something that we can do. We can change and then change it and see if it, if it, if it, it improves or if it doesn't, then change something else. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so, this is all great stuff. I feel like we could talk about it for a lot longer. But what I really want to do now is just go through, again, those pillars of health 
and maybe we could just get like a quick cliff notes on what you recommend recommend in terms of each one of them. Uh, for example, like some quick hacks that a lot of people don't think about when when thinking about sleep and recovery and the same for consumption and activeness and that sort of thing. Can we start with sleep and recovery? Yes. Okay. So sleep and recovery, some very cool hacks that I think many people listening to this show probably already are aware of, but um, things like changing the temperature within your room, within mm-hmm. your, your sleep environment, um, trying out uh, different, what do, what do they call them? Uh, eyewear, like eye, sleep masks. Yeah. Yep. Trying out sleep mask versus just making the entire room dark or both. Um, <clears throat> trying out the, the blue blocking lights, right? Blue blocking glasses and different things of that nature, trying to... Yeah, wearing those a few hours before bed to yes. try and um, get rid of the blue light so it doesn't suppress melatonin, right? Yep. And mm-hmm. also, even something simple, as simple as trying to go without having any food two to three hours before sleep, see what that does for you. Yeah. Um, and so th- these are all little little hacks to kind of help the sleep and recovery. And then, um, like we mentioned before, you can use the cold thermogenesis for the recovery stuff too. So, um, you know, in implementing some of that along with red light therapy, I'm a big fan of red light therapy, um, infrared, far infrared, full spectrum, uh, photobiomodulation. I'm a big fan of as well. I think that falls kind of in that, in that category too. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. So yeah, lighting in general, like, uh, to, to fit the circadian rhythm. Um, I think that's great for, for that sort of stuff. Okay. So that's sort of the quality sleep and recovery side. Let's, let's move on to consumption. What's your general philosophy when it comes to consumption of, of all different sorts of things? Okay. So with, within consumption, I am a big fan of intermittent fasting and there's so, as you know, there's so many different ways to classify fasting, but I'm more along the lines of, okay, let's start with the, the broadest picture. And that picture is go for moments having food, which we would call a feeding window, and then moments where we don't have food. And we'll call that the fasting window. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, some people get super, super caught up on, well, calories equals feeding. So, you know, you're not really fasting if you're having food, but I don't get into the weeds there unless it's super, super important. And unless we really need to make these type of drastic changes. Um, but I, I'm a big fan of intermittent fasting. And then, so that would be kind of the low hanging fruit because, you know, it's quite easy to just go without food and go with food. (laughs) And so you can obviously make it better uh, on both sides. And then um, something else that would maybe be a little bit more uh, techie and and quantifiable would be like actually tracking your macros and measuring your food and going, you know, taking the scales and measuring body composition and things along those lines. I'm, I'm less a fan of, but I know for some people it is important. And it could be the thing that gets them to go, you know what, I will listen to you because now I am seeing the the results. And so now let's, let's focus on these other pillars that you're talking about. <laughs> um, and, and then as far as like the energy, consuming the energy, um, I would, I would include grounding and earthing into this because that would be the beneficial um, sort of the, 
the neutralization of us being positive, positive, positively charged because of inflammation, because of stress, because of a lot of things in our life. And so I feel like when we take these, the negative ions from the earth, that's again, the low hanging fruit, just going out into the earth, putting your feet into the, your bare feet into the grass or the dirt or the sand. Um, you could go a little bit higher tech and get devices that, that include uh, pulse electromagnetic fields, which is also known as PEMF. And mm-hmm. that's another way to consume positive energy and, and try to do away with the negative energies. Right. That makes sense. Oh, man, I want to dive into each one of those individually. But unfortunately, we only have so much time on this interview. But um, so let's move on, then. Uh, I think that'll be helpful for folks, they can do some googling around about that. Um, So quality of uh, quality activeness and exercise are really near and dear to my heart. Because one thing I advocate for is um, I I love rest days. Um, I know that you mentioned um, you, you, you like recommending people that folks oftentimes exercise three times per week. And I think that would oftentimes mean one or two rest days in between, in between your workouts. Um, But that's not to say by any means that you're being lazy on your days off. You know, you're just sitting in front of the couch or on your computer all day. Um, Can you, um, can you correct me if I'm wrong there or um, can you, can you expand on that a little bit? Sure. So the the thing that I want most people to understand, I think it's worth reiterating is I purposefully separate quality activeness from quality exercise because when it comes time to actually exercise, I want it to be the most bang for the buck. And so it's usually a, approximately 30 minute session when I go full out, whether it be strength or sprinting or whatever, that I separate that completely from quality activeness. So the activeness component could also include active recovery, right? Mm-hmm. So um, active recovery is just kind of moving the lymph around the body, right? You can get on a vibration plate. Some people would lump that into um, into exercise. I don't. You know, now if you're on the vibration plate and you're banging out a bunch of squats and push-ups and things like that, then okay, now you've teetered into that level of of exercise. Right, right. But the activeness part is, I I simply love to just have people go for walks, and you can walk every day. Absolutely. Right. And so when you start to time your walks and, you know, you're walking on inclines and you're working on your pace, okay, you're starting to teeter into this idea of exercise. So I want people to kind of just remove the idea of it being exercise and just go out for a walk. And and I, I swear to you, I get this question all the time. Okay, Josh, so for the quality activeness piece, um, so how long should I walk? How far should I walk? What shoes should I wear? It's like, just go outside walk. Just, <laughs> just go walk. That's it. That, yeah. That's what the quality and quality activeness is all about. It's just just go and do it. If you have to change your clothes change your get up just to go outside to go for a walk, you're starting to get into the, the quality exercise component. So walking, um, you know, even just waking up and shaking, moving around, you know, here's something simple that I, I love to do. Uh, I'm a coffee fan. I love to drink coffee. And I purposefully buy whole bean coffee and I mm-hmm. grind it. That's one of the first things I get 
in the morning uh, besides my waking up and just shaking my body. I literally wake up after I do my HRV check anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I wake up, do my check. And then I, as soon as I hit my feet to the ground, I basically just go into a shake as if I'm like a, a, a dog shaking water off my body. I just shake everything. That just is it's a good way to get the, the, the lymph moving, the blood flowing. And then I take my Quinton uh, Marine Plasma uh, drink, my, like my shot of seawater. And then I go about my day. And then I'm, next thing you know, I'm kind of like grinding my coffee. And, and it's good quality movement that I'm having to like use my arms to kind of crank this thing over and over and over and over just so I can have something. Now, right. obviously, I could go out and buy an electric grinder. I could, but that's mm-hmm. only going to take me away from some more movement throughout my day. So why do that? So I spent about 200 bucks on a high quality grinder just so I would tell myself, no, Josh, use the grinder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, isn't that funny? Then that plays more into the psychology angle of it. of it's like play, playing tricks on your mind so that you're, you're liable to do certain, certain activities. I love that. And, and I want to go back to, back to the walking piece because one of the greatest improvements in my um, health that I've ever seen has come from a devotion to, um, to walking, you know, basically at least an hour a day um, without much exception. Um, I've, I've experienced tremendous benefit from that. Uh, It gets me out of my apartment. It gets me, you know, um, uh, it just energizes me every time I do it. Um, Obviously you can walk too much and it can be uh, detrimental, but walking is one of these things that um, it's, it's pretty hard to do that uh, for most, for most people uh, and walk too much, so to speak, and, and sort of overtax the system. So um, I can't recommend that enough. Now um, you mentioned something else back there that um, I want to touch on, which is um, uh, well, you, you could sort of alluded to it. Um, I, I want to try and transition to uh primal movement versus some of the more uh, advanced sorts of movements. Um, there's a lot of talk these days about blood flow restriction training. There's a lot of talk about high intensity interval training. Uh, you know, people are involved in CrossFit gyms, all these different sorts of things. Um, but what I love about you is your advocation for, you know, making sure that the basics are in place first. Can we, can we uh, talk a little bit about that and your philosophy around that? Well said. And, and yes, great point that, that gets into the quality exercise piece, right? So, Mm. um, notice how I'm able to kind of lump anything that you bring up, anything that I, I talk about with, with, with people that I talk to, I can almost always lump any category or any conversation into a category, into the pillar. And so now we're on that quality exercise component. And so of course the low hanging fruit is the innate abilities that we're born with, the innate abilities that we as humans are designed to be able to do. And some of those very simple things are a deep squat. And so, you know, if you don't know how to assess a deep squat, then there's, you definitely need work. But can you, can you stand there with your feet hip width apart and get as low as you possibly can, like your butt to your calves, basically. And if you cannot do that, then doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means, okay, you've lost the ability that we were born with. We all have this ability to squat down. And if any of you listening 
have kids, you know, one-year-old, two-year-olds, you see that they get into the most beautiful deep squats ever. And that's what is their safety net, right? Their, their idea of being safe is when they're in that low center of gravity, deep squat, and they move, they move so beautifully. So when, when I'm working with someone and I, and, and they come to me and they say, okay, Josh, you know, you, I want you to be my fitness trainer. I'm like, do you really? Because <laughs> I'm most likely going to have you shaking like a dog, moving like an animal, moving like a, a you know, a, a natural being, right? Mm, and yeah. most likely you're going to be challenged in ways you've never been challenged before. Because why is it important for you to be able to do a front squat thruster with a lot of weight over and over and over and over, but you can't um, pull yourself up on a tree? You can't climb a tree. You can't. Um, escape from danger. You can't, um, you know, run through the forest away from 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 danger. You know, because like let's let's face it, if if the shit hit the fan at some point, and let's say all the power went out, and people are without running water, and it's hard to get food, the people who are used to fasting, the people who are used to traveling in nature. The people who are used to foraging for for food and hunting are going to be the people who survive, right? And this can get very dark and and twisted, but I, I only bring this up just to cause people to go, huh? And it goes back to the awareness component, right? Because it's like, yeah, it's cool to like have a six pack and to be able to like, you know, do do a hundred push ups without stopping, but like, what's going to happen when you really need to survive? Does does survival, does nature care if you can do 100 push-ups? No. But can you climb a tree to wait for danger to, to pass? Can you um, hold your breath long enough to be able to get out of a burning building? Right? Like this, these are the things that, that I want to focus on. Are you able to hold your breath long enough to be able to, to swim away from danger or whatever the case may be? This is what it comes – what I talk about when it comes to primal movement, natural movement – um, can you balance on a rail? Can you hang from a, a bar just to hang there? Right. So, right. yeah, I mean, I, I know I didn't necessarily point out like a, exact ways to do it, but like, that's the idea. No, I totally get it. I think, I think that's clear. And what I love is your advocation for, um, uh, you have what's called your movement analysis pattern. You're a big advocate for isometric uh, movements. You, uh, I know that you're like me, a, a big fan of barefoot shoes and that sort of thing. And um, I think these are all components that really people should, um, quite, you know, ask themselves whether or not they're checking those boxes before they get into these really a little bit more sophisticated um, exercise modalities. Um, and uh, I, th- I think I think that's what I really want to say about that. Um, it's and I think I want to transition there into like a more broader topic, which is we've talked about in even in this podcast some of the more you know cool and nu- nuanced and interesting aspects of of health and technology uh, and its role in, in improving that and hacking it, so to speak. Um, but I think that. All of this is sort of a, uh, you know, it ha- there's two sides to this coin, so to speak. And I, and I wonder if we could just close out this podcast talking a little bit about 
those two sides of that coin and and um how all of this you know can be overwhelming and 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 we can have paralysis by analysis uh if we if we uh, aren't aren't careful can we talk about that for a second josh yes absolutely and i'm i'm glad we got back to that because i know that's something that was important for you and also even for me you know it's i i know that if you were to be on the outside looking in to someone like me, someone who's considered a biohacker, you could think, damn, this dude does way too much. I could never do that. And, right. and, and that's when it's like, well, what is the point, right? What is the point for what it is you're doing? It doesn't matter what field you're in. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter what gender you are. doesn't matter if you're black, you're white, you're, you're, you're Mexican. It does, doesn't matter. What matters is, is, what are you doing and how does it serve you best? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so if that means like, for instance, like wh- who are we to criticize someone who is a CrossFit athlete, right? Like maybe that is their means of supporting their family. Maybe right. that is, um, maybe they're doing it for charity. Who knows? Right. But if what you're doing allows you to to check in and say hey i can look at myself in the mirror i can go to sleep at night i am a uh, i have high integrity i am um a loving person and i am loved like then we can kind of go to the next to the next situation if you're doing things just so that you can show off then okay you got to have to re rethink what you what it is you're doing and that goes back to the awareness piece so again, like I, I, I like to kind of, especially in this fitness world, um, it's very easy for me to go, okay, look at someone's social media and see, you can almost see right away what they're about. If they're all about just shirtless photos, then their self-worth is based on the amount of clicks and likes and comments they get on all of their naked photos. Okay, that's fine if that if that's what you are about right like if if that's how you make your money to to live and to support yourself then so be it but let's call a spade a spade let's not try to then put that on other people and say this is what you need to do because we all have our different um ways of of being real to ourselves so my in my category i feel like my role is to i i love it to the to to the most (laughs) amount of love you can even imagine. But when my parents come to me and they say, Hey, what is that thing you were talking about? What is this? What should I try? Like, for instance, my dad uh, recently came down with COVID and um, he is at the highest risk you could probably even imagine. Um, You know, he's morbidly obese, 500 pounds, um, you know, diabetic, has diabetic ulcers on his legs, is battling all kinds of things. And, you know, when it, when, when COVID came around, like back in March, I was like, okay, we got to just make sure that my dad doesn't get it just, you know, because he would not do well. Right. Yeah. And, you know, this is one of the first times in my life, in my career that my dad has really wholeheartedly listened to me because a couple things happened to him that caused him to go, okay, I'm either going to lose my leg right? My leg has to get amputated because of the diabetic ulcer, or I can do something to change my life. And 
you know, and so sometimes you have to hit rock bottom. And so this is why I'm happy that I have this knowledge to be able to say, hey, you know, all these years of me practicing being a biohacker and living in all these in, in, in all these different modalities, I can say, hey, I'm sending you this, I'm sending you that, I'm sending you this, do it and check back in. And mm-hmm. his 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 wounds have healed. It's 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 amazing, right? Wow. And then, you know, a week later, he's like, you know, reeling from that, feeling good, and he's on this path to health, and then he gets a fever. And he's like, wait a minute, I need to get checked for COVID. Because everybody in his office where he was working has come down, tested positive for COVID. And sure enough, my dad has COVID. He had two days of a fever. And the things that I had told him to get back at at the beginning of March, when I was like, hey, anybody living through this time of this pandemic should have a nebulizer and hydrogen peroxide in their their homes. Obviously, the first people I'm going to say this to is is my parents, my family. Did my dad get it? No. He didn't get it, but you can bet bet your bottom dollar that as soon as he found out he was COVID positive, he was hitting me up like, hey, what was that nebulizer thing you were talking about? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, And then he goes basically the whole 10 days without having a fever. And he, uh, one of the people who probably is has the highest risk of fatalities for COVID-19, he's now surprisingly perfectly fine. Right. So this is why I do what I do now. You know, I can't answer why other people do what they do, but my goal is to ultimately optimize my health and wellness so that I can also give as much advice and experience to the people that I love. Absolutely. And I think that's probably why you entitled your podcast Simply Walk the Talk. Isn't that right? That's right. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that title for for your podcast. And so I'll say one final word as we sort of wrap things up here. It, and that's that as you're listening to this, even if you're a relatively savvy, you know, um, consumer of health information and, and fitness information and that sort of thing. Um, there's likely a lot of things that we talked on uh, about here that you're not doing. Um, and what I would encourage you to do is not freak out about that, not to become overwhelmed, but take one of those things. Don't, don't try and take them all. Just take one and um, take that as sort of a challenge to yourself uh, after listening to this and go, go do some more research about it. Um, ask around, um, do some Googling about it and um, you know, challenge yourself in that, in that regard. Maybe cold showers is a great example of, of that. Um, but don't feel as if you need to be doing everything all at once. Um, you know, do one thing and, uh, and then you can actually kind of take something away from this podcast. Um, would you, would you agree, Josh? I wholeheartedly agree. I think you, you couldn't have wrapped it up better. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, people are probably going to leave this, this podcast episode thinking, wait a minute, what, what about this? What about that? It goes right back to the very first thing we talked about, which is anytime there's a question, it's an opportunity to educate. So if you find yourself questioning whatever anything I've ever said, anything that Jeff is saying, if you find yourself questioning, like, why didn't he talk about this more? Why didn't he give research and this and that? It's an opportunity to educate. Educate yourself. That's it. You know, because there's so many things out there that have hidden agendas and there's so many ways to to find, um, 
you know, if, if it, I think there's a quote out there. If you want to find an answer, you can you can find it no matter what side of the of the coin it falls. But experience trumps it all. That that's mm-hmm. that's my belief. So if yeah. you want to know what works best for you, then go out there and create opportunities for you to 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 find exactly that answer. What works best for you? Because no one can come should no one should say to you, well, that this is not right. No, it worked for me, right? And and on the same on the same breath, <laughs> don't go and try to encourage other people to do it just because it worked for you. Because we all have different biologies, we all have different ways of how we how we um, process and assimilate different micronutrients and vitamins and minerals and and stress and and hormones and there's just a, a whole Absolutely. rabbit hole we could go down. But ultimately. Try to do your best to to find out what works best for you, and then always ask your always ask yourself why. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you feeling the way you're feeling? And I think that ultimately gets you to pillar number one, which is quality awareness. Absolutely, I think that's where we're going to end it because I think that's what I really want to leave our listeners with. So, Josh. Um, right before we go, do you think you could direct people to where they can find uh, more out about you? Sure. So, and thanks for the opportunity. Um, I am found uh, most easily on social media at Joshua J. Holland. And um, so that's J-O-S-H-U-A-J-H-O-L-L-A-N-D, Joshua J. Holland. And that's on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, like basically all of it. So um, you can find me there. And as you alluded to and mentioned, I have a podcast myself. It's at Simply Walk the Talk. And that can be found on most, if not all, podcast platforms. And that podcast is it talks about everything from health, wellness, fitness, lifestyle, and biohacking. So um, we cover quite a bit in that. And um, yeah, I think that's that's probably the easiest. Oh, and my website is www.joshuajholland.com. Got it. Well, Josh, it's been a tremendous pleasure talking to you. I'm sure we could do it for just hours on end if we wanted to, but we're going to wrap it up for our listeners here. And um, yeah, thanks again for coming on. And um, I hope you have a great, a great uh, end to 2020, so to speak. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks again for the opportunity. And and maybe we can do this again, man. (laughs) Absolutely. I'd love to do it again. The Elite Academy now offers in-depth online courses on multiple subjects. So if you're enjoying the content of this podcast, but you're looking for a more structured and logical progression, looking at the science and application of these subjects, check out the Elite Academy at EliteHRV.com academy.